You're listening to a podcast from futurenetzero.com. In this episode, our founder Sumit Bose speaks to Simon Owsbury, the managing director and co-founder of Energize, a mission-driven net zero consultancy about the need for organizations to collaborate on the path to net zero. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Today, I'm joined by Simon Oldsbury. Simon, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, how are you? Yeah, all right. Um, we got good, good theme today we want to talk about, and it, I think it's quite appropriate with what's going on right now in the world of energy. Collaboration, nice, uh, for us to take collective action on what's happening. It doesn't seem we're very co- collaborative right now, if you look at what's going on at the, at the petrol pumps <laughs> it's every person for themselves this whole issue about how we collaborate you've been looking into this at energize haven't you and i think you said something which is quite interesting which is that you know this is a thing where generally in business we look to have our own competitive edge and we want to do these things but this is a topic that really we need to look at it in a slightly different way what have you been discussing with clients what have you you've been looking around this idea of collaboration yeah, I think I think it's a really important part of kind of getting the the right approach for any organisation around net zero to to look at it more collaboratively. I think there is a danger, particularly when people start looking at net zero around the kind of I suppose the, the cost side of things that it starts to become okay. Well, where do we get our, our return on it? But I think the the underlying challenge for many organisations is figuring out how to actually be able to execute the net zero strategy fast enough on the right scale. And I think if you start looking at the various places where collaboration is beneficial, then it, it really does help organizations to execute a better outcome in their strategy. Examples of that are working with with your competitors to develop a, a common industry approach. Um, and there's some great work on that in the last few years around uh, water. Uh, retail launched a roadmap last year. There's a forthcoming one uh, on hospitality. And there's a whole series of other sectors starting uh, to look at this in in more detail. They've all got common supply chains. So there's a supply chain collaboration. I think as a consequence of all of that, there's common technological challenges. So there's a collaboration opportunity about innovation. And then I think beyond that, there's also the element of collaborating with your customer. There are various sectors, um, particularly those in the food supply chain, as an example, that if you can't get your customer on board in the journey, then the ability to reduce the emissions is harder. So I think ultimately it's 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 an element that you kind of end up facing up to the fact that you won't necessarily be able to achieve this alone and that opening up to uh, doing it together rather than trying to do it in isolation uh, as trying to find a competitive edge in it, uh, I think doesn't necessarily deliver the, the, the right outcome for organisations. That's quite hard to do though, isn't it really? Because you, you, you go in the world of business to be competitive because you're always against someone else to, to, to win, a, win a client or get a contract or whatever. When you have these conversations, like you said, you're talking about, and we'll, we'll explore a bit more detail some of that. But initially, when you go and see a client, you say, Do you know what, I think we should collaborate a bit more with people and this is what we should look at. What, what's the reaction? I think ultimately it is initially a kind of hesitant one. There's, there's, there's elements where I think everybody or every organization can kind of see the, the value of it, but then ultimately becomes a to what level do we collaborate? I think ultimately it ends up becoming a little bit of a leadership question. Um, it often ends up needing to be the leadership of organizations that decides to collaborate because it, that's within their power to do, do that. So it very much is a, a C-suite conversation to be having, but I think if you're looking at where the where the value comes from it, the reality is that there's a lot of things within the net zero landscape, take it with the energy challenges within a building or how to navigate the challenges of a supply chain, that you 
you can kind of have the challenge of of still trying to learn too much. And I think there's an awful lot of that going on in the net zero world, where actually when you start getting people to collaborate and, and there are tried and tested examples of this, that you can start sharing the lessons and almost expedite the speed. And I think every time I've seen organizations start collaborating, it very quickly takes down the barriers. I think you probably, in terms of making that kind of the case for collaboration internally, you kind of have to do it two ways. One, the economic value of the fact that the money is saved by doing it collectively. I think there's also an element that when you start looking at a, a greenhouse a gas report, carbon footprint in any real depth, there, there are ultimately things that you can control and the things you can influence. And the reality is that many organizations would be able to probably compete on the things that they can control. But if they want to have a science-based target and they want to deliver meaningful emissions reductions, they also have to deal with all the bits that they can only influence. And their influence is stronger if they do that collectively. I suppose the one thing that strikes me in this is that, uh, you know, if you look at it, you said about the CEO level, and and that, that is a fair point that you've got to look at it. But you've got to also explore whether, you know, we we take our consumers on this journey because it's one thing to suggest we should do this let's take an example of a you know you work with catering company says says right do you know what we're just going to offer you i mean you probably wouldn't but say you went really extreme we're just going to offer you vegan options it's better for the planet you know here's the arguments for it a lot of consumers will go, yes, and we, we've seen it, you know, in our own events that we stage, more and more people are saying vegetarian and vegan. But also there are people who will be like, no, that, that's that's taking my choice away, even if it is for the betterment of the planet. How is that balance between what you think and what you sit, you say, in the CEO level, and you go, right, I think this is where we want to go, this is our direction, and how important we have to collaborate and take our consumers on them and, and nudge rather than shove, if you know what I mean. I think the way you've just phrased it there is really important in terms of nudge rather than shove. I think there is a danger that you can lose people in the journey if you if it doesn't feel like collaboration, if that makes sense. Uh, I think the collaboration is is only collaboration if it feels collaborative. Uh, so if you, I think if you if you if there's a danger of kind of almost putting people's back up, then that might not work. But I think that's not necessarily about the decision of what you change. That's how you go about that communication and and also the kind of the transitional of that. I. I don't know if you're aware of the case study of um, what um, Forest Green Rovers did with their menu. Yes. Um, yes. And I think I think that's yeah, a great... maybe you could maybe you could explain that to the yeah, audience. It's a very absolutely. interesting one. So I think um, with their um, uh, when the decision to move towards a vegan menu was made, it was it was done on a transitional basis. So it was very clear that that was the the, the aim, um, but it was set out that there would be a, a taking red meat off and then gradually down to it being the vegan menu it is now that's for, for everything for the players for the fans uh, and so on and actually everybody's really on board with that because I think what they did well alongside the transition itself in terms of making it so it was transitional was a communication about why the value of it and I think it's opened people's eyes up to it I think there is an element sometimes that if you don't educate alongside the change you are not going to be able to bring people with you but I think the the, the, the nudge rather than shove that uh, you described it earlier does have to be that, okay, well, let's just keep going iteratively through the journey of this. The reality is there's so few things we can do a kind of an overnight switch or a handbrake style stop kind of thing on, on things. It just, it just won't get traction in society. And often it's really disruptive to business to do it that way as well. So there, there, there are lots of things where it is a, a signing up for a long-term change here. But I think we are all trying to tackle a, an enormous long-term challenge rather than an overnight one 
Um, so I think it's okay to do it that way. But I think you need to be really clear that that's the transition you take people on, that you set a goal, that you try and bring people with you, uh, and that you, you link up the action with the communication around it to make sure that you're maintaining that collaborative sense. And I think that applies not just to the consumer piece. I think that that applies to, if you look at kind of an industry roadmap, for example, there are going to be some people who can go faster than others. Yes, of um, and, and so there's going to be that element of, well, if the whole industry wants to be net zero by, I don't know, 2035, then um, some organizations will do that in the 2020s, but some organizations will really struggle financially to be able to support that outcome and you've got to you, you've got to be in a situation where people don't feel like they're having an unnecessary burden against their other priorities, um, because the reality is there is still has to be grounded down into this. There are commercial, operational challenges that people have got to balance against these things. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the whole point. That's the ethos of our site is that you know we're not saying do these things and put yourself out of business. We're saying these do these things and, and, and make more money, make be be better better businesses. But in terms of uh, that point there. Have you got some examples, whether you can name companies or not, but examples of where you've been working either in industries or, or with companies where you have definitely seen this collaboration work? I think I've mentioned a couple of examples that I think are, are, are good ones that are kind of progressing in industry in a wider sense at the moment. Um, I think that obviously the British Retail Consortium uh, launched its roadmap last year. Uh, I think there's some benefit to that in retail that's helped them kind of have a common understanding of their emissions profile and, and what the timeframe should be in the, the hospitality sector with the Zero Carbon Forums doing that right now. And, and there's some uh, real benefit to that. And I think the, uh, the benefit that comes from those equations, the, the, those exercises is um, at this stage of the journey is is almost being able to tackle those bigger challenges that might seem too big if done alone, which is kind of the, the, that's those scope-free questions. What what is the the right way to, to to deal with all the carbon accounting challenges of the life cycle of some of the products, or um, how do you do you balance off what the food agenda is? And I think those I've seen some real value in in those projects from organisations being able to get more insight around where their priorities need to sit around what will be the things that society will change what are the things that it, the industry will change collectively and what are the things that they need to change uh and, and that really helps so i mean it's one of those things where you almost break it down to that level i've just gone through like the societal change the industry change and your own change that if you take something like electricity that's a society-wide ch change we're, we're decarbonizing that uh, as a collective uh, an industry level, you might find, for example, there's a certain amount of pressure on a major supplier. I mean, um, you take the example I used of IT, then kind of the Googles and Microsofts uh, of the world, that that impacts a whole series of people's carbon footprint um, because we're all using them. The same applies for if you're looking at kind of the hospitality or retail example I just highlighted, somebody like the um, Coca-Cola's roadmap and the, and, and the engagement that happens with them as a, as a very large business would, would impact a whole series of people because it would all be in the, the scope of their, it, yeah, in yeah. their scope yeah, three. Yeah. So th there's a real value that, that I think is coming from that kind of engagement. And then you've obviously, what it leaves you with is, okay, well, what's the stuff I, that, that is about us? Uh, and I think that that makes the challenge of, the, the challenges behind Net Zero seem more manageable for organization. Just a very interesting point there, which is, you know, Coca-Cola, you've said, and you see it with bigger companies. They, they're already doing, hello, you're a supplier to us. I'd like to know what you're doing. So they're trying to nudge and get you to do some stuff and move it down. It's, I don't know whether you can answer this, but it seems to be that it's all a one-way thing. It's big companies will encourage small or push small ones. Is there any scope for small ones to go to big ones and say, 
hang on a second, we're doing it this way. Because otherwise it does seem a very, you know, hey, we're bigger than you, we're telling you what to do. It's not really collaborative. It's kind of do this, otherwise you're out of business with us. Yeah, and I think there is a there is a danger of that. Uh, I think you're absolutely right to highlight that as, as a, a potential mine in the minefield that we uh, have to navigate over the course of the years to come. There is a danger of this being from flowing from large business to small and not, not being... Yeah. Exactly, a, a constructive engagement. I think people people will do it out of fear because yeah, do you know what I mean. Which is I think if you, not a great, I mean, even if the goal is the right goal, that's not a good motivator. No, and, and and there's endless psychological research to show that if you if you force someone to do something, they're going to do it less well than they do if they want to do it. There's very substantial collection of uh, psychology research that basically bringing people with you is really important in terms of. Out, outcomes um a, a quality of what people do and i think if you if you make all small, small and medium-sized organizations have to tackle this because they are required to yes that won't recruit that won't achieve the right outcome i do think there is a space for at an industry level smaller businesses to be able to collaborate and achieve those outcomes i, I don't know that there's a role for membership organizations in all of this if that makes sense i think, no, no, I, I think I, yeah i agree with you there definitely um, yeah. and i think uh, i think some industries are starting to see that with their membership organization and some are further behind but i think that's where you can get the representation of the smaller operators but there is a there is a real risk of the things being kind of demanded for from organizations and it almost being dealt with because a commercial contract is at risk and that that will often sometimes lead to the potential for tick box exercises and greenwash type outcomes because that they can feel like they fulfill a requirement for action but don't necessarily actually deliver the right one um so i think there is a there is a real need for those who have that kind of power and that kind of influence to use it right the right way we got about what for the time of recording this around about uh, four weeks to call okay you're talking about collaboration. Blimey, do we need some at that event? Lots of communications coming out saying maybe China won't turn up, maybe India will, maybe they won't, maybe small countries won't be able to make it, COVID, all of those stuff. There's been, it's not been a very positive message around COP, but it's, it's fundamentally very important. I'm, I'm still quite positive that something can come out of it. What's your, what's your take on kind of what we need and whether we can see an example of dare I say, the biggest collaboration, planetary collaboration at something like COP? I think, likewise, still maintain a certain amount of hope around it. But I, I do believe there are some challenges. And I think the world has got a bit harder to achieve some of these things over, over the last few years. Just some of it political shift and some of it the pressure all countries are under because of the pandemic. And yeah, I, think the, I think the reality is that is there enough momentum to kind of achieve the next stage of the equivalent scale of, of, of the Paris Agreement? I'm not sure we're there collectively, mm. but I do think what we can do is coordinate around individual work streams of, I quite like this uh, suggestion that we find a roadmap to removing coal from uh, the landscape globally. And I do think if you can kind of coordinate around the global plan around it, an actual tangible action, that's, that almost society might be able to engage more on that. And what you are finding more and more is that the pressure of younger generations is starting to really push its way through in terms of the, the messaging. Well, and I think, they're the future consumers. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. if you you need to be able to, to, to deliver outcomes that people can see that we're actually fulfilling the commitments we all collectively made. I think, are we in a position right now to be able to have a, a, a perfectly smooth answer to everything to transition towards one and a half degrees. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, will we 
come out the uh, other side of, of COP with one and a half degrees still being on the table. I hope so. But I think the priority needs to be about making sure that there is tangible action being taken and, and that there's still momentum. I think anybody who works in business knows that you can set your objectives, OKRs, whatever structure you work under in terms of the outcomes you aim for. Uh, you won't necessarily always hit them bang on, but what's important is to make sure you've always you can always see progress. I think there is enough political will and, and, and collaboration um, still around. I hope to achieve uh, some some tangible actions on um, electrification of, of vehicles. Um, hopefully, some work around um, aviation and maritime getting coal moved um, away from being within the, the supply mix, uh, there's a, there is a big challenge on climate finance that needs to be addressed. I think if you can tangibly see some progress on individual elements like that, mm. that that will feel like it's some progress. Whether it's fast enough, is uh, that, that that's a, a bigger question for an entirely separate discussion. Of course. Uh, I'll tell you one positive thing, though. We just published a story today about uh, young kids. 78% of kids, little kids, eight and nine-year-olds were and they want to have electric cars they love it so there you go we, we can we can have that positivity my, my oldest son is is nine and uh, and very much it kind of because we now have uh, a completely electric fleet and yes. we um um, he very much kind of poo-poos the idea of anybody <laughs> driving anything other than an electric car. So I completely get that one. So. Yeah, that's it's a good one. That's absolutely it. I'm, I'm waiting to wait for the delivery of my EV as we speak. So hopefully yeah. I'll be joining on that one. Um, just before we go, you do a lot of work on this. I know you've got some reports coming up. If people want to find out more about, you know, collaborative approach, where, where can they go? What what can they do? Um, so there's, there's always some kind of flow of content on our website at ngos.com, but the key thing around this particular topic is that uh, there's quite a lot of work in individual sectors and around COP over the course of the next few months uh, as we run up to Christmas. But um, we produce uh, annually now a kind of a, a stock take of the net zero landscape each year. Yeah. Um, and the next one of those will be released in January called the Landscape Report. And there'll be um, a set of webinars and comms around that, but that will be available on our website in January uh, 2022. For the, and, and the fo focus of that uh, report is is on um, collective action and how we can can benefit from, from doing this collaboratively. No, that's brilliant. And, and my last point would be this. Obviously, we've got COP going on and people are going, should we do things now? Irrespective of COP, you know, all of us businesses need to do this stuff now. We don't have to have a deadline that we, if we don't achieve something in the next four weeks is not worth it. We, we've got to look at the future. We, we've got to just go plan. And as you said, people will move at different paces. Some companies can move very fast. Some will move slow. As long as we all move, that's the positivity of collaboration. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we all do, do need to take action. But I think uh, the benefit of the collaboration is it doesn't have to be that it suddenly means you're signing up to some kind of agreement with everybody that you have to do everything today. But it, but it almost always delivers an outcome where it means you can do more faster and generally cheaper as well. Well, that, that's a good point on which to end. Simon, thanks very much for your time today. Thanks so much. Great to speak to you. Thanks for listening. If you want to start your net zero journey, come to futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.